This show is an ultimate podcast group production. Hey, this is Live Better with Natasha with me, Natasha Hamilton. This podcast is all about exploring your mental, physical and spiritual wellness. Live Better with Natasha is for anyone who is looking to broaden their horizons with their wellness, who want to heal, they want to grow, and they want to feel on top of the freaking world. Hello, it's Natasha Hamilton, and thank you so much for tuning back in to Live Better with Natasha podcast. What I absolutely love is bringing people into the Live Better with Natasha arena and hearing their stories. How did they get into their journey of well-being? What was that trigger that made them go, actually, I was living this type of lifestyle and now I want to do something completely different? Was it always a passion project? Did they always have a burning desire to go traveling, to learn yoga, to learn healing and bring that back to help other people on their own healing journeys. So I'm super, super excited to bring to you a good friend of mine. We have worked together for the past few months. She is a complete ray of light, a shining beacon with the most beautiful smile. I'm so happy to have you here. Please welcome Nick Wagstaff. Oh, hello. Thank you. That's such a nice introduction. (laughs) You are though. Like, honest to God, every time I am with you or I speak with you, like you just bring such a calming influence to me. Oh, bless you. Yeah. Yeah, I tried, I just tried to um yeah, be I have a lot of love. I do have a lot of love. (laughs) You are full of love and you give it to everyone. And I often think how do you do it? Because you are that woman, you know, upbeat, positive, you know, you help people on the daily. You're constantly doing courses, you're doing one-to-ones, you're doing retreats. How do you keep all that energy high and how do you do some for yourself? Yeah, it wasn't always like that. I definitely learned the hard way. Um, I've been through quite a big burnout these days i am i am better at balancing it but i can't say for sure that i can kind of um avoid burnout altogether i do have tips and techniques and i do have things that i've learned along the way and those are my toolbox and i go to them i know my triggers i know my red flags but sometimes still i get to that point where okay i've overwhelmed myself i've done too much and like over the years it's been Oh, I've, got to, I've got to heal this side of myself. But actually, I've just come to to accept and love that I do have a big thing with overwhelm, but just to keep an eye on it because being a go, 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 go kind of person, um, which not a lot of people expect because I'm a yoga teacher as well. But yeah, those two contrasts, two different worlds, mm. hard to manage over the years. I can imagine. So tell us a little bit about what what brought you to your burnout? Yeah. So it's, so the thing with burnout and what I got, um, um, diagnosed as such with is something called adrenal fatigue. And this is something that builds up over years, really. Um, and it's, it's things that stress you. So it can be obviously the mind. We can get stressed with the mind, but it can be also things that happen to you with the body, which certainly happened as well for me. Um, and it can be, it can be anything. It can be environmental places. So I was living in, in Dubai for eight years, which, um, which was amazing experience, but there was a lot of stresses around. And when we talk about environmental stresses, there wasn't as much nature, certainly natural nature. Um, as such, you know, there was, um, there was lots of watering of, of grass, <laughs> um, because obviously it's in the desert. <laughs> With those high-tech sprinklers. You know, exactly. And, um, okay, so the sea's there, um, but it was on man-made beaches. There, were, there weren't the forests and things like this going on. Um, so it does take its toll, the traffic, the heat. Um, so over the years then, the burnout, the whole thing kind of, you can start with some people from um, viruses as well an illness and it can also be a collection of that going on and never fully recovering so what we tend to do is we we keep going we keep burning ourselves out because of society pressures or pressures that we've had from our youth that have come into our head as like um, our mantras that we should be able to do that and we must keep going and it's mind over matter sometimes it's body over mind 
And at these points, we really need to learn to to rest and to recover. So I didn't do that. <laughs> and that's how I learned the hard way. Um, and so over- were you, you were doing a like a quite a high powered corporate job, weren't you? Yes. So I was always feeling that need to to prove myself. And, and that was a big part of my personality. And I, I finally got a job that I really loved. Uh, the first one, I worked um, in LG for a few years. And that was um, five years in total, actually. Probably one of the longest Western <laughs> people to work in um, a Korean company because it is pretty tough. Um, but it taught me a lot. And I worked there for five years and I loved it. Um, you know, it did propel me in my career. It did a lot for me. Um, learned loads about the culture and lots of things. And then what happened was, and I think this happens with a lot of people, when the adrenaline gets going and you kind of get used to living and working at a high level, um, you want more of it. Mm. And this can be a danger, actually. It's addictive. It does. It's like we say adrenaline junkies, don't we? And there's a reason yeah. for that. I get the same buzz from performing. Yes. Yeah. You get that whoosh. And this yeah. year especially, it's like I've been in withdrawal because I haven't been getting that buzz that I often get on a weekly basis. Right. And it's like, okay, well, where do I get my buzz from? <laughs> I know, and you're looking for it, aren't you? Yeah, and luckily I've been able to channel it in my well, well my you know, my well-being way. But sometimes, you know, it can go the opposite way and you, you're looking for things that are more destructive and detrimental to your health. Absolutely. And I was doing all of that at the time. So it's sort of negative relationships and you know, just going out a lot and this kind of thing. And everything was just like firing on full cylinders. Um, I even ended up doing this um, night hike um, with a bunch of people through the meetup. And um, and we got, it's a side story, so I'll just add it in there because it was a physical stress. But I I, um, I got stuck on the mountain in Ras Al-Khaimah in the summer. Through the day, it ended up being, night hike turned into a day hike, turned into hospital, turned into a very close call. Um, which was one of the reasons why I came back. But jumping so ahead. Where that? So, so, let's, just, <laughs> let's, let's not just get like speed over that. So you went out on a hike and you got stuck on a mountain and basically nearly died. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I know. And it was like, it was such a weird experience because, so we were supposed to get up and down the mountain before the sun came out. And, um, we were with a group of four and none of us were fully fit at the time. I was a bit exhausted. I was in between the the last job and the new job that I was going into. And like we were saying, I was looking for that adrenaline and that drama. It's like, yeah, let's just do this night hike, you know, as you do. (laughs) (laughs) I remember my head torch and, you know, I was really really excited. Um, But I didn't tell anybody where I was going. And that was, it was like a coping mechanism that I'd adopted because I was quite, fiercely independent and had separated myself a lot from friends and family and threw myself into work so we didn't get back down in time because um we were all going a bit slower and when we finally we finally rested and stopped somewhere and I couldn't get up I complete I'd complete um heat exhaustion and um it got it started to get quite serious um and one of the guys luckily was really experienced in things like um safety and survival and this kind of thing he wasn't the group leader but he took charge of the four of us that stuck together we were in the same car we didn't know each other um and i remember i remember he's called john and he looked at me in his eyes and i couldn't get up and it was all very scary and he said i will come back and it was just like whoa you know, and I trusted him. I was like, I know you well. One of the the other guy had gone off. He'd lost his head. We didn't know where he'd gone. Um, and I was left with this um, this lovely girl from the Philippines. And we basically just ended up hysterical laughing because I've, it was so <laughs> mad, really. <laughs> but we were so funny. We were like the best comedians, you know, in this moment. But it, again, it's like a survival. It was, it, it was survival because you were scared and you didn't want to admit to what the yeah. possibilities could yeah. be unfolding. Wow, that's that's deep. It was. And I remember we were showing each other our photos on our phone before our battery died because we were there for hours and we ran out of water a long time previously to that. And um, we didn't have sweat, we didn't have tears, we didn't go to the toilet. 
And so hours and hours of going through these different emotions and, and feeling flat and then quiet. And I remember like this, this black bird that just flew overhead and it was all arid, you know, because it's obviously so dry. And this mm. bird flying overhead and I, it's just such bizarre. And I was looking up at this mountain and um, I was making thick sweat. The last bit of water I was sprinkling on myself and using a cap to just try to cool myself down. I remember thinking two things. One thing was, um, all right, you you said you were going to do something different. You, know, you said something was supposed to happen in your life regarding your work, but you, you didn't do it. And it was just it was really bizarre because I thought, well, I've done something different. I've gone to Dubai. I'm I was head of group learning and development for this corporate company. I was on quite high up for a young age, and you know, I was. I was getting well paid not and I was like so so what then what I've done something different yeah and I, I just felt like no but you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing that was one realization and the other one was well nobody nobody knows where you are you've isolated yourself from everyone you've closed your heart to some some degree for various different reasons and um it's going to take I remember thinking how long would it take for people to realize that I was gone and I was oh. thinking I know uh, maybe two weeks, maybe three weeks, they'd be like, have you heard from Nick? No, have you? No. And then weeks would go by. And it was the weirdest thing because it wasn't like any big epiphany or any big moment. It was just like an underlying disappointment. And I just thought, oh, that's a shame. <laughs> you know? I know. Weird. My goodness. That's like, it's you're literally evaluating your life because in the back of it, you're like, I might not. Yeah, Get off this mountain ever. Yeah, and my my organs had started to like. I mean, I was in quite a bit of pain at one point because my organs had started to kind of dry up a bit, and it was really strange because um, out of nowhere we heard these footsteps, and it was two policemen finally because we just thought we were imagining it at the time because a helicopter came as well. All this other stuff that I won't go into detail, but. We did get saved, and these two policemen, Rasal came a policeman, in the middle of Ramadan, which meant they were not allowed to drink water. It was 50 degrees. They'd walked all the way up to where we were in their outfit. It was so emotional, and they walked us down. They brought water. They poured it on us. They made us drink it, and it was such a beautiful moment. Wow. Yeah. I mean, and then when we got to the bottom, we saw that the other two guys – had made it, they'd called for help and everything else. And there's more to the story, but it was it was one of those moments when I thought, right, okay. Now I'd only just started, like I'd only just started in this new company. And I thought, they probably just would have thought, oh, this this chick's not turned up <laughs> for this new job. <laughs> what a waste. And then the other guys from my old company that were like family as well, I'm still in touch with them today, would have been like, oh, we've not heard from Nick since she left. You know, it was a very strange feeling. It was in the news and everything. And um, I thought, well, I can't leave now. I've just started. And I think this was a big problem that I had over the years of people pleasing and, you know, putting other people first, which, like you say, I do help a lot, but I do know now much better with boundaries. But I started that job and it took me, it took me about two years, um, loved it. And I was already not working as hard as I was in my previous job. it was great. Uh, my manager, my team, they needed a lot of support because when I first started there, they were very negative from a previous manager. So I had a lot of like damage control to do. And that's what kind of got me a bit more into coaching, things like that. Mm. Wow. What? Yeah. what a story. <laughs> yeah, that was just the beginning, the beginning of why that- why is insane so you've had this moment on top of this mountain your heart and soul is kind of awakening a bit and saying come on now Nick think you might be needing to do something else but you didn't listen to it no you went back down that mountain you went back to work and you said you were there for two years then what happened so after that um so it's so this was going on in the back of my mind the whole time. You know, I'm like, I know I'm going to be leaving. I just don't know when. And not just leaving the company, but leaving the country that I'd lived in for eight years, you know, in my 30s. So it was like the friendship groups that I'd made. It was all, it's all very, you know, well, 
what and when and how and all this kind of went on and um I'd been through kind of a turbulent relationship so that had already started and ended and I'd sort of working I say woken up from there then the mountain then I started this job and I just started to bring in so many different elements to my training so I used to do a lot of training of the leadership team I used to bring in lots of kind of alternative approaches to mindset a little bit out there a little bit more emotional that they wouldn't be used to just sort of teasing and I did a lot more training you know just teasing in there because I know what people are like I know what it's like (laughs) so you have to be careful not to come across too too twee but I think that's where I fit quite well when I do corporate work because I've been there I get it but I'm also a little bit alternative so I can feed bits in read the audience and know if it's too much for some people and so yeah I, I threw myself into that um and the team and um did lots of traveling, loved it um, with work and personally, I decided to do a lot of things by myself, um, lots of different locations and loved it. It was a prime location for that, actually, um, being in Dubai. And then it was, um, I came back for a retreat. It was about one year after this happened and I'd not seen my family since then. I'd done a little bit of Skype. I started to reconnect and I went on this retreat with my sister, my auntie and my mum. And it was a very much like a sisterhood thing. Um, and I went there and bearing in mind, I'd not seen them since this incident. And we did this session where um, she was like, I want you to give love to somebody in the room. And it was like, bam, I felt my mum's love. And it was just so strong that I just I just broke down so this is like the first time that I kind of let it all out just broke down and I was like I need to come home I need to come home now now the problem was was that I was already enjoying the freedom the let's say inverted commas freedom of the financial aspect of what I was doing about being independent and all this and I was like oh if I just do a few more months oh if I just oh, if I did another year, I'd be able to earn this. But I started to get migraines. I started to get ill. And this was sort of creeping up. And it was very much, I think, from from the actual uh, mountain experience, I call the mountain experience, which I'm still writing about because it is quite a big story. But I started to get ill. And um, I'd met somebody um, who was based in the UK and I thought it was quite a good time to go home rather than leave it two years. Let's come home now. It's a message. And um, I decided it's going to be hard. You know, like you've just said there, it's hard to come down from that adrenaline. And I'd been living in high anxiety for such a long time, but with self-awareness because I'd I'd learned Reiki, I became a Reiki master. This was None of this was to become you know, a business owner in wellness, this was just for me. I learned about hypnotherapy. Um, I became an NLP practitioner to the point where NLP stands for Neuro Linguistic Programming, which helps people with patterns and mindset and perception. I loved it so much and believed in it so much that I brought it into the company. I trained all the HR practitioners on it, um, not just myself with lots of other trainers, um, and brought a coaching culture into the company and it it was a whole transformational project of how we saw work, how we saw people, and that people are more than just um, soldiers in, in the workplace. Um, so all this stuff I was just doing for myself on my own journey, and little did I know it was going to turn into a business. But I knew, because of this self-awareness I'd been doing, that it wouldn't be a good idea to just come home because it would be like going from living in the sun you know, having that kind of lifestyle, running at a million miles an hour, having all this independence to, you know, let's face it, um, raining most of the time. (laughs) Meltdown in the beginning. The most miserable version of reality. (laughs) Flip-flops, because I used to wear flip-flops all the time, obviously, and I thought, it's okay, it's sunny, you know. I know better now, six years later, but um, it's like, it's fine, I'll just wear my flip-flops, I'll just take my, my little bag and my wallet. Now it's like, you know, raincoat umbrella (laughs) all that stuff in a big bag and I was just out one day and I I just I just broke down I was like no because I was so used to living in the sun um so it was a big change I knew it would be a big change my partner had a little girl as well so I was going to become a stepmom um I wouldn't have a car blah 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 
So what I decided to do was very consciously to transition. Um, and I did that by completing my hypnotherapy training in India. And that was like a whole three month trip. Um, and my partner was due to come with me, but he wasn't able to come for, for, for other reasons. Um, and it was meant to be a solo trip. And so after after I stopped crying, leaving Dubai, leaving my partner, I walked into the airport and I was like, oh, okay, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> and I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> and this is the thing sometimes, the, the thing, what you need the most is to be alone, but we're very rarely alone, whether yeah. it's work, um, you know, family members, partner, whatever it is. Actually, being alone is rare commodity to a lot of people. Yes, I love it. I enjoy being alone. Yes, I I like my own space. Yeah. Well, yeah, and it's like I even knew that I would struggle with that, and I thought the best way to to transition is to kind of keep my head busy, but not too much. So that's why I thought maybe a little bit of training, but there's no deadline, there's no pressure, there's no responsibility, but my head's being busy. So that's what I loved learning about hypnotherapy. It was like, you know, we went into the childhood stuff. We went into relationships, why we go for the people we go for and this kind of thing. Amazing. And um, it was really interesting doing it from an Indian philosophy, uh, sort of point of view as well. So there was just me and another lady from France. Everybody else was Indian. So it was nice to look at different elements like past lives and lives between lives and you know things that are a little bit more alternative as well as the traditional clinical hypnotherapy and I just six weeks of just you know learning about this learning about yourself thinking about other people in your life it was just amazing and it was really interesting actually because at one point um we were doing like body syndrome so when you got um if you've ever listened to anything by Louise Hay she talks about why um certain body talk why your body's reacting in certain ways migraine for example which I was getting is about an indecision in your life and we were talking about different organs and we're talking about the kidneys and I remember thinking about um one of my team members who had this kidney thing and, and I felt it was to do with the fact that she'd had to leave her son for so many years back in the Philippines so she could work in Dubai Mm. Um, you know and it was really really quite painful for her and it's obvious it's going to manifest somewhere in the body and I was just really thinking about her now with hypnotherapy you count down from like let's say 20 or 10 down to zero and you visualize the stairs and the very next day she messaged me and she said I had a dream about you last night and I was like really and she said yeah you were you were (laughs) you wouldn't believe me but she was like you were walking down some stairs with me and you were dressed in white. Whoa. <laughs> oh my God. I've literally just gone cold from head to toe. I, I, I feel quite emotional just thinking about it because things like this, these spooky things happen to oh. us and we just, we just pass them by and we just think, oh, that was just a weird thing. And it was weird at the time, but it's nothing now. But I write these things down now so I don't forget. But it was like, whoa. Because I think I was so deep into that training that it was just, I was so in tune with myself and what was going on around me. Yeah. Um, to the point where um, the lady from France said, you're really embracing a lot of this Indian culture. Um, have you ever thought about being a yoga teacher? I was like, no, it's not my thing. I'm a bit more like about the mind, which I still very much am, all about the sort of mind side of things. And she said, oh, it's just that you've done you've done your rig, you've done Indian head massage, you've done like your hypnotherapy here. Just a thought. That night or the night after, whenever it was, um, I went to bed. I can't even remember what happened, but something poignant happened and I woke up and I went, yes, that is it. That is what I need to do. And it was like very like, right. <laughs> and I, I giggled. I giggled for, for quite a while looking at different, because I thought, well, I'm in India. so perfect and I decided and booked it I booked um to go do my yoga teacher training in Darjeeling so I was in Bangalore at the time sort of more southern India and I gave myself two weeks off so you were just talking there about time for yourself and I I journeyed down to Karela and went to three different places I went I wanted to 
experience the different environments. So I went to the beach, I went to the backwaters, and I went into the hills where the beautiful, um, you know, tea leaves are and everything. Mm. And I spent two weeks in those three different locations, and um, I just embraced it. Now, before before I move on to the t- teacher training, one big thing that happened, which I haven't actually mentioned as yet, was that around the time that I decided to come back to the UK, um, my brother-in-law um, sadly died suddenly. He took his own life. So my sister's husband. So my plan of kind of gently transitioning from this busy corporate world back home, being nurtured and, you know, protected and let's start a new life, I'd obviously completely changed at this point. And I was very much in two minds about what to do. And this was a really difficult decision. Um, I was like, I obviously went straight home the very same day to see my sister and that kind of stuff was, it didn't matter financially at the time. It, it was just, I'm doing that. Came mm-hmm. back and then went back for the funeral, stayed for a little while. Then I was like, what to do, what to do. So because my sister had moved in with my mum, Um, I knew she was looked after, but something inside told me that, okay, to help heal other people, you need to be coming from a place of light yourself. So it was like, if I go home now, I'm just adding extra darkness to this situation. Not only that, but there could be some residue of bitterness, you know, if I was honest, in the journey that I was taking and everything else. So there was all these different things that came into my mind. And I remember, again, going down the spooky route a little bit, which I don't normally mention that much, actually, but for whatever reason, it's coming out today. But um, thank you for sharing it because it's amazing. It's it's those weird things, isn't it, that sometimes we need, like those weird coincidences and things. And so I sat with my one of my good friends from Dubai and we sat there and I just said, I don't know what to do. And I I did these cards um, and they were just, just lovely, like these angel cards. And one of them was freedom. One of them was sister, sister, mother, daughter. Um, and the other one, God, I forget which the other one was, follow your heart. That was it. And it all made sense that I had to continue down this journey in order to help. I had to find my freedom and space and heal to be able to help them. And I remember when I got back, when I I saw my sister laugh for the first time in, which would have been three months, I knew. I just smiled to myself and I was like, yeah. Because I came in and I brought music back. I played music you know, which of course, you know, is so powerful. I played music again. I got her eating food, um, you know, to put on weight because she'd gone from like a size 14, 16 to a size six or an eight. And I just came from a positive place. Um, and I knew that that was the right thing to do, but it was a hard decision. It was hard to know that people, it's like that, isn't it? What will people think? And um, Oh, absolutely. Right. It's, I think that decision to serve others as as long you know as long as you're still keeping some kind of integrity for yourself as well um you'll always be rewarded. I think that's what life's about life's about going on your journey, learning your life lessons, healing from your life's traumas, and then passing on the knowledge. So whether that's to your children or to your friends and your family, like that's our wisdom. That's what we are here to pass on to them. And I come from like a family and we're dead close, but we would never really talk about feelings or nature, like what's happened in the past or talk about things like that. So now I do all those things with my children and I know God I don't hardly know anything, but what I do know, I'm passing on to them and they're going to learn their learnings and they'll have my learnings and they'll pass it on to their children. And, you know, that's just going to keep doubling and doubling and doubling or whatever, you know, through the generations to, you know, then have people come into the world who are hopefully got a lot more understanding of life. Absolutely. I feel the same. 
and and that's why I can't help it because I just feel compelled. Like I, I see it as everything that I go through is is to be transferred, like you say, out there. It's like letting people know, and this is why I love what you do because it's letting people know that they, they used to be, you know, when the whole wellness thing started to come up, so many people that were like, I felt this as a wellness practitioner, looking at other wellness practitioners and going, well, I don't feel like that all the time. So does that mean that that I'm not healed? Does that mean I'm a fraud because mm. I'm not all peace and light all the time? Because we're not, are we? We do oh, get angry. We do get sad. We do get rage. We do get frustrated. It's just that the difference is, is like you said, when you go through stuff, you're in a position to be able to guide people you know, and help and give tips and advice if they're going through something similar. Most importantly, know that they're not abnormal for feeling ways that they're feeling. And by having that courage and bravery to say, hey, do you know what? This is what I'm feeling today. And that's why I was drawn to your work because it was like, yes, that's it. It's not about being all peace and light and perfect and suppressing feelings. Um, It's about acknowledging your feelings accepting them and saying you know what I hear you I hear Mm -hmm. you and sometimes it's passing through those emotions emotions means emotion means to move it out or sometimes it's deeper and the deeper needs a little bit more deeper work and and support and therapy and and healing and, and so on but it's not about suppressing them um and the more people that open up and talk and say you know what hey this is me I get anxiety it's so liberating for yourself individually, but for people out there, or whether it's your children, your family, and also for my case, sometimes it's and it's probably the same for you. People doesn't need to be just people younger than you, people older than you, including family members, you know, and, and yeah. leading by example. Absolutely, for me, like when I look back at my life, like I joined a pop band when I was sixteen, and like the media was very intrusive. And you became very good at letting them know what you wanted them to know, but always trying to hide the truth. Mm. You wanted to keep something for yourself. There was things you didn't want to talk about. But when you're doing that on a daily basis, you're hiding your own truth in your own life. You kind of become this media trained version of yourself with your own life. Yes, that makes sense. Does that make sense? Yes. So then you're you're not being honest and true to who you are and how you feel because uh, you're not telling it, you know, on this other side. And when you're young, you know, it's, it's a big balancing act. Also, a little bit off-piste here, but we didn't know it at the time, but we were all getting hacked by the newspapers. So all the really important and personal information that we had about ourselves was always getting leaked to the press. So we had serious trust issues. We didn't trust anyone. We were always like, there's a spy in the camp. Mm. I, you know, I'd be like thinking, why are the girls doing this? Why are they? That's like, awful. Yeah. Like, honestly, like my elder son, dad, I genuinely thought was selling stories on me. Yeah. Like we just don't even have a relationship. And it stems from a long time ago when there was personal stuff happening. And I was like, how could you sell stories about me and our child? And now it's like, oh, that never even happened. It oh will get hacked. But like you said, it's like, age. Like it's, yeah, well, I, I, this was happening at my life as a teenager, you know, early 20s. So then I'm like, oh, you know, I can't, I, I've got to keep everything in. I don't want to talk my truth. I don't want to say this because, you know, it ends up coming out in a way that you don't want it to be. Yeah. Which then leaves you with a few issues. <laughs> Like you spent many years trying to unpick. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So sorry, I went a bit off piece there, yeah, but no, I was so interesting. Following on. Yeah, no. It, it, it's unraveling, isn't it? It's 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 what I like to say is unbecoming what you've become and and finding your true soul, your true self. Mm-hmm. You know, Absolutely. there's so much the the pressure though that just that you must have been under because regardless of that if if you didn't even if you didn't have that you've got um there's peer pressure there is there's all the different things that 
that with goodwill intention from family, um, you know, there's the culture that you're raised in. There's these days, there's the social media and everything else. But mm. then to have that is, um, yeah, it's pretty, pretty heavy stuff. Yeah, like even though you're the biggest band on the planet or one of, you still live in, live in a very confined, in like in a caged world where you don't really move far out of it at all. Mm. It's quite suppressing. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Crazy times. And that's why like the first time I was ever honest <laughs> about yeah. what I was going through personally was postnatal depression. And that all stemmed from... <laughs> My phone being hacked and then getting hold of personal information that they put into the paper because I wasn't turning, well, I wasn't going to work. So the girls were doing gigs and appearances without me because I'd been signed off yeah. because I wasn't in a good place at all. I was having like a breakdown and yeah. whatnot. And through what they were hearing on my voice notes, they were kept, they were just on it. Why isn't Natasha there? What's going on with Natasha? Da 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 Is she leaving? This, that, the other. So in the end, it was like, well, I need to speak my truth here because you're making me look like this flaky, unprofessional person. I'm actually having, you know, going through a really tough time. So um, that's when I came out and was like, this is what's happening. Like, and it was, I can't, for the first time to feel like, oh, your real feelings have just yeah. come out about something so intimate, you know, yeah. that sometimes, you know what? Sometimes you need something big. To, <laughs> not off. <laughs> to really kind of break that because, you know, you will have put your heart, your heart will have obviously have closed and blocked yeah. from that. Um, so sometimes it needs that to kind of crack it. Absolutely. And before coming on to record this, I went live on my social media and we were talking about the podcast and me bringing, me talking about my postnatal depression and people saying, I like, thank you for doing that. Because 18 years ago, it wasn't something that young people thought that they could get. Like, I don't know what that even means, but I'd never read an article. There was no support. There was no aftercare during pregnancy. Oh my gosh, like, yeah. You know, about postnatal depression and being being like a 19, 20-year-old mum. It was very stereotypical. Oh, that, oh, that's massive. It's yeah. like, yeah, I didn't think of it like that because, you know, these days it's, it's talked about quite a bit and, um, you know, because I, I got like um, – depression um when I was pregnant in the actual pregnancy yeah prenatal yes which is starting to get talked about a bit but yeah these days the post the postnatal um there's a lot of awareness there's there's quite a lot of support it doesn't take away the feeling as such Mm. but you know knowing the other people so to to have that happen oh my goodness yeah and just on that live I, I got emotional because whenever I bring it like whenever I talk about it, it's an emotional response it's like oh my god it was so overwhelmingly painful and difficult and you know embarrassing at times because I didn't understand what I was going through and you know feeling like the eyes of the world were kind of on me and and even people you know, where, where, who I was working with, they're like, well, if you're going to leave, just say you're going to leave. And and I'm like, I don't want to leave. Like, I love my job, but I just can't do my job right yeah. now because I, I don't know what's going on in my head. So it's just yeah. like a difficult time. And I'll always have feelings of overwhelm and I'll get a bit upset, but it's not like it throws me straight back into feeling depressed. It's just an acknowledgement yeah. that I actually went through. But, you know, no sooner have I felt it, I'm okay. It's like, I am healed. Like, I will always carry the memory of that time. Always. It'll always be a part of me, but I can move on from it pretty quickly now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it's like you say, it's things that you go through, you get to, like you say, you share it. We, we, um, We can help. We can, you know... All, all, everybody that's gone through anything, and that's that whole sort of the the giving the advice and and so on. But it also it helps us to. It's like you you, you change part of your consciousness when you heal through it, 
and you go right okay I know like you say it's it's most likely going to be a part of me however I know what my trigger points are now I know what my red flags are um, and I know what tools work for me from going through these things and that's that's where I'm at with my so I don't get the um, adrenal fatigue as much it does it does come up um, Mm. but that kind you see it's linked to hormones as well is adrenal fatigue because obviously the adrenals get burnt out and that develops um, too much cortisol and that's where you feel that addiction to high level stress let's say um, which is why it took me so long to come down from working and living in Dubai it took me like it took me a long time actually in fact it's probably only re- sort of the last year that has sort of leveled out a bit but um, that feeling of not being in your head, not being just being able to do it, but wanting to do it, I completely relate to that. Because when I when I completely when I fatigued, it was when I got back, and although I came back with light, um, I I also felt responsible. I don't mean responsible for the death as such, but I felt responsible for helping my family to heal because I was a newly trained therapist. And coming back to what you said about um, boundaries and it's okay to give, but as long as you are also respecting yourself, well, that was a big lesson, a big lesson that took a really long time um, to to get. And I think we'll, we'll still always be a little bit of a lesson throughout my life, but the difference is will be the awareness and not allowing myself to get into a place where I can't even go for a walk without laying down, not even a 10 minute walk without laying down. You know, that was when I was at my worst and I couldn't even, I knew that food, I went to see a naturopathic doctor and um, she was amazing and got me thinking things in so many different ways. Um, I knew that there were certain things that I needed to eat, but I couldn't even think about, opening a recipe book I couldn't even think about thinking of what to eat um shopping no way I had to um even order something online I didn't have the energy the fogginess the fogginess that you might relate to with those feelings that you had it's like I want to I want to heal and I want I want to feel happy but but there's this fogginess that's taken over my body and these are the hormones and the complete exhaustion and, um, you know, because when you, when you break something like food shopping down, it's in stages. It's like thinking what to get, getting it, unpacking it, you know, cooking it, um, it washing up. And when you're, when you're fatigued, that's a lot of stuff. <laughs> well, luckily now you've got good online stores that just put it all in a bag, deliver it to your door and you just cook it. Yeah. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> but right, so... Going back to where we're at now, like we give back. I mean, you give back so much. You've got an incredible um, business called Inspire Rewire. And you bring lots of different, you bring all kinds of help to people, don't you? Yeah, it's um, all sorts of stuff, really. Um, Underlying everything is helping people with anxiety, burnout and fatigue um, to help basically motivate people, let them know that they're not on their own and they're just throwing lots of tips and techniques here and there. So I've got my my Facebook group, which is Inspiring Wise Tribe. I just I, I just pop on there and I'll do a short meditation. I'll share about another wellness practitioner that I think that's really good, that I've just been to see. Um, I'm always writing blogs and things like this. Um, and I do like journaling resets. Anything really that I have tried myself and I have found that has worked for me, and then I share it out there and I say, try this, try this, just to remind people that one thing might not work for you, but something else might. So yeah. don't give up hope with that. Just keep playing it. Just keep exploring. You know, it's an adventure. Um, we talk about it being a journey a lot of the time, but it's also an adventure. So try to discover the truth, like what we've just said there, uncover the truth about yourself, who you are, what works for you, what doesn't. Only you know the answer to that. And you also host retreats, which obviously this year has been a little bit difficult to say the least, but you're still doing them, aren't you? You're still managing to get some done. Yes. yes. So obviously, as soon as lockdown happened, um, I'd already been away for two months in Spain because I've been working towards having like um, a bit more mobile life. 
Um, I love traveling and we, me and my partner both work from home and my, my little one's only small so we could do that and um, I was like right finally get back get the little one into nursery get my headspace and it was like two weeks later lockdown oh. so I'd already weirdly been working towards doing some online stuff which is where I'm going with the business mainly but still keeping in touch with people I managed to get within those two weeks back I got a week a weekend retreat done which was for anxiety and fatigue um, and I got a mini retreat done so I was like brilliant then just last weekend opened back up to mini retreats which are half days so I did that for people mainly I was thinking about myself in mind with a little one because sometimes you can't get away for a whole weekend but you might want to go away just for a bite size just a little respite yeah I love that like a little mini spa break a little yeah and, and it's got a spa there so it's like you can choose I love choice it's like I'd hate feeling like confined to something so it's like you can do the little retreat and go for the spa or no spa or afternoon tea or not. It's up to you. So the, the prices are different based on that. But weekend retreats I've been doing for years. So I started six years ago. But prior to that, working in corporate, I did a lot of, you could call them retreats, but they were more corporate-based um, events and, and gatherings and conferences and things like this. Um, so it was, it was easy for me to kind of trans, transition straight into doing retreats. Um, love it. I love retreats because you really see a difference rather than seeing people that week on week or every now and then you see the difference from that Friday version of that person. If it's a weekend retreat, sometimes they're longer to the Sunday version. The difference is just beautiful. And when they see that in themselves as well, from really giving themselves some time out, some space from the noise then it's it's just really worthwhile. Sometimes it takes a lot out of me, but it's um, I sandwich it. This is what I learned through adrenal fatigue. I sandwich it behind um, nothing coming up beforehand and nothing coming up after. It's all dedicated to that so that I don't burn out because I've been there. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, do you know what? Over the years, the past 10 years maybe, I've been on a few retreats that were totally transformative, that just reset the mind, re- reset my 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 inner spirit. Yeah. And I've just walked away, or well, not walked away, flown home or whatever, <laughs> driven home, and just been like, why do I not do this more often? And no. that's, for me, that's where I want to go next because – there's no better feeling than going to a retreat and coming back to your everyday life and feeling empowered, inspired, mm-hmm. new lease of life. Like mm-hmm. you need that reset. The last retreat I went on to was 12 months ago. I went with the kids. It was beautiful. It was amazing. And I drove home. It was, oh God, it was in um, Berkshire. So miles away from where I live. Yeah. The kids had run around this forest for the whole of the weekend. They were like proper like little earth you know, uh, kids, yeah. like, shoes off, barefoot, running around the forest, swimming in the lake. They loved it. As soon as they got in the car, they fell asleep. I was like, result. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the sense of inner calm that I had within myself, I can remember just driving. I turned the radio off. I just sat in the car and I was like, I feel so rested, so calm. I just felt brilliant. And I was like, right, this is is what I need to be doing more of. Yeah, you know, um, what I find is that when people have never been on a retreat before, I really like kind of hand-holding them through it because um, those those newbies to retreats, the way that they feel afterwards, being around like-minded people as well, because I think sometimes they're a bit anxious about that. It's so nice to hear them say, you know what, that's it, I'm off again. I'm done. That I'm ready now. And yeah. I'm going to be putting time aside once or twice a year for my retreat. And why didn't I start this earlier? Absolutely. And that's what. Oh, it's exciting. <laughs> so obviously this year, the whole of COVID totally knocked out all of my music work. I created the Live Better with Natasha Facebook group just to support people because I was like, if I'm feeling overwhelmed, Everyone else must be. Let's create a nice, safe space where people can come in and bring in the likes of yourself and other friends and people who I'd worked with or been coached with. And 
spent time with who uplift other people. I brought everyone into that one space and people loved it during lockdown. It was amazing. And it's been going from strength to strength. So for me, like the, the natural progression, because we've had the group, now we've got the podcast, it's live better wellness retreats. And we've been talking about this, haven't we? We're starting to put a few little ideas down. We have, we have. It's um, very exciting. And um, I've been, um, one of my favourite things to do is find venues and (laughs) that's really exciting. So I've been looking around and looking at different sizes and some absolutely stunning places and just been like, oh, maybe the hardest bit is choosing where. (laughs) Yeah. And with the whole COVID situation for me, it's like, well, we don't know what we're going to achieve. We don't know how many people, we don't know where, we don't know when, but what we do know is we're looking to the new year, new year, new you, live better wellness retreats, um, watch this space. We will talk more about it when we've got more solid plans. But on that note, Nick, thank you so much for sharing your story. Every time I speak to you, I get a new story and I'm like, what? It just came out. I was like, oh, yeah, the mountain. Oh, yeah, I've not told you about the mountain. <laughs> You've never told me about the mountain. That was an epic, epic story. And I'm just, I'm just thankful all turned out well. <laughs> I know. Uh, and thank you so much for having me here and in the group as well. It's been a pleasure loving thank- what you're doing. <laughs> Thank you. You're amazing as always. Guys, if you've loved listening to Nick today, you can catch up with her on Inspire, Rewire, on Facebook and on Instagram too. Thanks for listening to this episode of Live Better with Natasha. If you have enjoyed the show, please give it a five-star review on whichever platform you get your podcasts. It helps us more than you can imagine to reach more people and share important lessons and conversations about mental, physical, and spiritual well-being. You can also connect with Natasha and become part of the Live Better movement right now by clicking the link in the show notes. If you're serious about scaling your personal or business brand, then you need to be producing audio. Yes, you need a podcast. Podcasting is exploding right now and means that you can reach a global audience, be seen as the expert in your marketplace, collaborate with world-renowned influencers, turn followers, fans, and listeners into paying clients, and open up a world of opportunities. So when you're ready to add the power of podcasting for your brand and business, check out the Ultimate Podcast Group, the team that make this this very podcast, Ultimate Podcast Group, your one-stop full-service agency for all your production needs. For more information, click the link in the show notes now.